back to The Color of Success, The Black Academic Experience. My name is Brianna, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Mari Tsitso. Our podcast aims to raise awareness to the unique challenges and opportunities faced by Black students in higher education. Today, we have a very special guest, my younger brother, Dr. Joshua Hooks. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Can you just tell us, tell the people a little bit about you? So I did my undergraduate degree at the University of Maryland, Baltimore County uh, in mechanical engineering. From there, I went straight into my PhD program, pursuing bioengineering at Georgia Tech. Uh, When I completed that in 2019, I did a short-ish three-year postdoc uh, fellowship at Johns Hopkins, uh, investigating biomaterials and immunoengineering. Uh, Once I finally realized I didn't want to do academia, I then pursued a science policy fellowship, uh, which landed me at the National Institute on Aging as a program officer, uh, looking into age tech and solutions for Alzheimer's disease and other age-related illnesses. And I'm currently a CETA contractor or a science and engineering technical advisor um, for ARPA-H, which is the Advanced Research Projects Agency for Health, uh, where I'm looking at a project on lymphatic medicine, uh, which kind of ties closely to what I did my PhD in. Oh, wow. You are the quintessential scientist. Um, (laughs) So when and why did you choose to go to grad school? So I was part of a scholarship program in undergrad at UMBC called the Meyerhoff Scholars Program. It's a program dedicated to trying to increase the number of underrepresented minorities in PhD programs um, and in kind of science and technical research. So I went into undergrad wanted to do engineering, thinking I would get a master's, not really having any idea what a PhD was and what it entailed. But I really like science and I really wanted to kind of accomplish something really technical and advanced. And so I think the program saw that, fostered it and pushed me towards a PhD program. So did you do a master's at all or you just went? No, I ended up not getting a master's at all. I almost got a master's during from coursework uh, during my PhD. I took the wrong math class. I took a math class in the chemical engineering department, and to get the master's in mechanical engineering, I had to do a math class in the math department, and I didn't want to do another math class. Oh my gosh, the <laughs> things you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so Georgia Tech is in Atlanta, right? What was it like to be in grad school in Atlanta? I loved Atlanta. Uh, well, it was my first time living outside of Maryland, so it was just fun in that sense, seeing something new. Atlanta's a great city in terms of kind of options of things to do. Not that I had a whole lot of money to do a whole lot of things in Atlanta, <laughs> but when I did get to go out, it was fun. Um, it's very much kind of a black professional hub, so I love being able to go out and It was nice being able to see black people who were very successful everywhere I went. Um, And I think there's just a lot of opportunities in Atlanta. So I hear you talk about you love Atlanta. How did the climate at your campus compare to the climate of the city of Atlanta? I'd say in a lot of ways, very similar. So Georgia Tech, at least for uh, a lot of universities, I think has a fairly 
welcoming culture about it. Uh, I think the professors tend to be pretty friendly, collaborative, um, and I found that part to be really nice and refreshing, especially in hindsight, uh, having experiences in other places now that I've left. At Georgia Tech prides itself on graduating the most black PhDs of any non-HBCU, um, which on one hand is great and on the other hand was sometimes kind of sad because it really still was not that many of us there. Um, but I guess compared to other PWIs, it, it was more than I would have experienced at other places. And so when I guess you were on the grad school hunt, kind of going a little bit backwards. So what did that look like? Like what made you decide on Georgia Tech versus some of the other universities that you were considering? So I, part of the scholarship program I did at UMBC, they push you to do research experiences over the summer between every school year. And so I did research experiences at National Labs, at Northwestern, and at Georgia Tech. So I actually got to see Georgia Tech a little bit while I was still an undergrad, did a little bit of research there, got to know the city somewhat. That's what kind of put it on my radar. Um, and I mean, it was really well-ranked program. I think number three at the time for bioengineering. Um, I applied to, I think like five or six places and mm -hmm. it just kind of was the best in terms of location, programs, and uh, kind of my interest. I was just going to ask, because you talked a lot about like um, graduating the most black students, but they're not being a lot. So what did your classes look like? Like, were there a lot of people who looked like you? Um, what was that experience like? Generally, no. There was maybe one or two of us for most classes. Uh, I got to meet them through more like extracurricular activities, um, but it was still... I mean, I think Georgia Tech's grad program is like 45% white and 40% Asian or something to that effect. Um. Um, so still very much a um, minority um, of kind of anything else. And you know, this is completely foreign to me because I'm from a country where, you know, we're almost 100% <laughs> black. But what did that mean? Like, what was that classroom environment or were there any experiences that stand out from being in that space? I'd say for about a year or so in my PhD program, there was a time I could remember where I was the only grad student, at least that I knew of in my building, who was a black man. And Generally, I think one of two, especially African-Americans, I think there were two African women in the program, uh, had feelings that affirmative action worked against her. And so trying to both validate why it existed, why it did good things, and kind of my presence in the space sometimes. Well, it was nice though, my third year, uh, my lab actually hired another black graduate student. So then I wasn't the only black graduate student in my lab and there was someone else in the building, which was nice. Were there black professors? There were two, uh, at least in my program that stand out. So, and that was great. I think having some black professors, people kind of in the more leadership senior role was really good. Were you able to establish relationships with those professors? Um... Uh, definitely with one, a little bit with both. Um, Dr. Platt uh, was definitely a really uh, great professor. We would meet up for lunch every now and then, uh, especially towards the end of my PhD program, uh, talking about kind of career options, things to think about, uh, and where I kind of saw myself next. And how long was your program? I was there for six-ish years. Um, started fall of 2013, and I defended in April 2019. And Josh, you know... 
when you were in grad school and I was teaching, I used to think like, wow, six years took you so long. But <laughs> when our parents start talking about, I just hope Brianna graduates soon. I'm like, she'll, she'll graduate. We will graduate. That, yeah. that is for sure. <laughs> but earlier you had mentioned something about affirmative action and it just had me thinking about the political climate um, that you were in school during. So you started school in 2013, right? So that was what? Like Barack Obama was in office and it was transitioning power to my president. My president. <laughs> Can you tell me what was the political climate? Because Georgia is red, right? Like it's a fairly Georgia is area. red, but Atlanta is very blue. <laughs> Atlanta, you kind of, oh, sometimes it takes you a while before you run into someone who's actually from Georgia in Atlanta. It has a lot of transplants and in a lot of ways feels like a blue island in the middle <laughs> of Georgia. <laughs> so I'd say culturally, honestly, it didn't feel that out of place to me coming from Maryland. I do remember getting in a long debate with another co-worker of mine or lab mate at the time about if Donald Trump actually had a chance of winning. I believed so passionately. I believed. But yeah, no, I honestly, despite Georgia being so red, Atlanta didn't feel that out of place. I didn't feel that out of place in Atlanta. So you talk a lot about like your lab mates um, and, you know, these sounds like few and far between, but intense um, conversations. But in general, what was the relationship like? In general, I had a really good relationship with all my lab mates. I think we were a really diverse lab. Um, both, I think it was like a 60-40 split women, um, which is not common necessarily in engineering programs. Um, and then pretty diverse backgrounds in terms of people from India, Georgia, black, white, Asian. And I think we liked talking. So we would have lots of debates, lots of kind of probing conversations about thoughts on different political things, current news. And I really enjoyed it. And you have to forgive our ignorance, or at least my ignorance. But when you say lab mates, like, does that mean you all are working on the same sort of experiment? Like, you know? No. So with most bioengineering um, PhD, every student has their own project. That's kind of your dissertation topic, but you're in a lab headed by a PI. So there's usually some sort of central theme or technology or topic that ties it all together. So you're working in the same lab space and oftentimes on very similar experiments with maybe slightly different outcomes. And so usually can talk about projects and give each other feedback, but you still kind of have ownership over your own specific project. That said, a lot of times you might help each other with really big experiments and you'll be second or third author on their publications. And so you mentioned the fact that, again, you were one of the only black men in your program and probably in your lab as well. Is that safe to say? Until the third year. But how did that impact your sense of belonging, like in the classroom and in the lab that you worked in? So it has made me realize everything's relative. Uh, so at the time, it felt very isolating. And I think, um, again, sometimes feeling like trying to be the right, um, modulate your blackness in some sense. So trying to not still like be myself and not be ashamed to be myself, but also be palatable in some ways. Um, they would, if you're palatable? <laughs> And for me, it would be as simple as like the music that I'd want to play in, in the lab. So sometimes when you're doing experiments, you don't always want to have headphones in because then you can't hear if like an emergency is happening. So sometimes you would, you would take turns playing music. I couldn't play my Kendrick or even like someone like, it would be this big 
big thing whenever I play like Earth, Wind and Fire or like oh, these funk songs. And I don't know, it never was like songs that other people could relate to. It was always kind of the oddity music. And so what was nice, especially in the third year, I love music and I love listening to a variety of music from R&B to rock. But whenever I came in and talked about, oh, so-and-so's new album, no one knew what I was talking about because everyone in the lab really was big into music. I could talk about these indie rock songs and they would know and we'd be able to talk about it. But when I want to talk about Kendrick's new album or something like that, it'd be like, it'd be crickets. (laughs) (laughs) So things like that, just little quality of life. But then to be honest, going from that to Hopkins made me realize, oh, at least I had a whole lot more at Georgia Tech than I did. <laughs> and one of our other guests sort of spoke about the trade-off you make, right? Like when you go to these, um, not Ivy League necessarily, but, you know, high-profile PWIs, like, do you feel like it would... I don't know. I guess Georgia Tech, you say, was quite diverse. But do you... I don't know what you think about, like, that trade-off that you have to make between prestige and sort of belonging. One of my most jarring experiences probably was in my postdoc. Um, I was trying to figure out if I wanted to stay in academia or look at other career options. And there was another professor on the floor who seemed overall like a nice guy and he was a nice guy and so I asked him like hey would you have time to grab lunch and talk about at the time I was interviewing for a faculty position at Texas A&M and so we meet up pays for lunch and overall it was a good conversation but towards the end I don't even remember exactly how we got there but he made a comment to the effect of well, make sure that they're hiring you really for your technical expertise, uh, effectively saying not to like fill a diversity quota. And then he made a comment to the effect of, because he was a relatively young professor, and he was saying how when he was interviewing, he had the white male problem. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, you ended up at Hopkins. Clearly, you did just fine. What white male? And I was just, and just the gall to say that to me of all people. Like, like isn't this something you tell like other white men in private? (laughs) Not. Being a white male is a problem. Oh my God. (laughs) And just, yeah. So the kind of inability to understand even why some of those programs exist and understand when you look around yourself and you see that there's only one other black professor on this floor and then you're complaining about programs to try to bring in bright, talented, very capable (laughs) black people, women, and I don't know. That's kind of what sealed the door on me in terms of like, I don't think I want to stay in academia. Do you feel like that's an academia thing, though? It's not. But I just feel like academia, especially my experience at Hopkins, it was such an elitist feel. And it was such a you have to know people and a lot of always a lot of name dropping and a lot of just the culture of it felt very hard to feel at home, even among the quote unquote nicest people that I met sometimes was a challenge for me that made me really wonder, is that the right setting that I want to be in? And I think there are other settings where it's not quite as elitist feeling. Man, that just made me really sad. (laughs) Because it's true, right? At least, and that has been my experience in uh, kind of what I've done since then with NIA and some of like the government side of science, uh, that it at least was a little bit more welcoming feeling. And so thinking about like, you know, this, the feeling that you have, like, and the supports that you had available, um, what 
type of supports, I guess, how would you describe the supports that you had throughout your um, graduate school experience? I definitely would say my family has been a consistent support network for me throughout schooling, really. My parents, my older sister is is decent usually. (laughs) So that was great. My professor at Georgia Tech, while I definitely had, I think every grad student ends up butting heads a little bit with their professor throughout the course of the PhD, especially since graduating, but even throughout the PhD, was a really good resource um, and very supportive of me, very much um, helping me make connections, um, helped me find the postdoc position, and honestly has helped me find the current job that I'm about to take. So he has continually been looking out for me and trying to make connections. So that has been great. Um, And then just kind of friend network. I've been lucky to make some really um, strong friends at kind of every career stage. Um, and people that constantly are looking out for each other and helping each other out. And something I didn't hear you say, but I know you care so much about our financial supports. So we're here to talk about experiences, but we're also here to drop some tips for people interested in grad school. What type of financial support did you have? Um, and how did you go about finding those type of supports as a graduate student? Yeah. So luckily, um, most PhD programs in STEM uh, provide some stipend. They're not a lot, but it's kind of livable. Um, what was great when I came in, Georgia Tech's stipend was not super high. It was, I think when I started, the base mechanical engineering stipend was like 24000 and some change. I felt very lucky because I got, I think it was the president's uh, scholarship, which was an extra... I think 5,500 a year. Um, so that bumped me up to about 2,900. So definitely when you're looking at programs, if they do have sometimes these extra supplemental awards uh, that they'll give you. Um, around my fourth year of my PhD program, I got the Alfred P. Sloan Foundation grant, which was an extra $10,000 a year, which was really nice. I'm making a whole 34000 or thirty-five at that point. <laughs> and then yeah, even in the postdoc, I was able to get an a supplemental grant through the Bureau's Welcome Fund. So one thing I wish I had done more, um, when you get some additional grants, use those opportunities to try to push your advisor to pay you more. Um, Because essentially you're offsetting a lot of the research dollars. A lot of those grants come with extra research or technical funds, and you can try to use those to to push for a slightly higher salary. I don't think I did a great job of that, but uh, something I wish I had done in hindsight. Were those grants like you applied for outside of your program, like you find on the internet or something like that? Yeah, sometimes Georgia Tech would push uh, opportunities uh, via email or just talking to people. I actually had to apply to the, when I got in grad school twice, the first time I was turned down. Uh, But actually, I bumped into the guy who ran the program and talked to him afterwards and got some feedback and tried again. I'm very frugal, so I (laughs) did A millionaire by 40, right? (laughs) (laughs) And what advice would you give people? I mean, I know, you know, look for grants and sort of negotiate or advocate for yourself. But is there any other advice you would give to people thinking about going into grad school, going into grad school and sort of trying to get ready? Just be very confident you want it. (laughs) (laughs) I think a PhD is great as long as... You have identified a career where it is necessary. I think in a lot of ways, the PhD 
sometimes for me, and depending on the career you take, is a little bit of a hall pass where you need it to, to occupy the space, even if you aren't using the technical skills that you learned in the PhD. And so it has been useful for me. But if you don't absolutely need it, then it's a lot of work at not a lot of pay. And I don't think necessarily <laughs> helps you that much, depending on the career path you take. Um, so this is advice for people starting, thinking yes. about starting, not for people in the throes. Oh, no, of not for people. <laughs> make good friends. I think the friends that you make in grad school end up being <laughs> uh, kind of friends that you'll reach back out to uh, for kind of the rest of your career, hopefully, and just really were foundational to get through the process, whether celebrating each other when an experiment worked uh, or just being a distraction when things weren't going well. Um, I think grad school is tough. It can be a, a little exploitative. <laughs> um, and so really having people to vent to, to support you is critical. Uh, and people that really understand the program. So like family is great, but a lot of times if they haven't been through a PhD program, they might not understand everything that goes into it and it can be hard to explain and you might not want to have to explain it. Um, so that was definitely a, uh, a support system for me. What did your self-care look like, Josh? I'd say a lot of times going to friends' places, playing video games and, and drinking. And um, it was kind of a stress relief on a slightly healthier side. I did go into therapy for off and on, probably for about two years during grad school. Um, really just to kind of have a space to talk about things and to someone who, I guess in a way that I didn't care if they didn't like me or if I didn't care if I was burdening. And so I thought that was really helpful for me and um, really helped me come up with some strategies to deal with stress, both on the grad school side of things and kind of personal life side of things. And so I hear you say um, when you were giving advice to people um, thinking about graduate programs or in graduate programs, how vital like your support system is. Um, thinking back on your experience in grad school, was there any support that you think was missing? Maybe that you wish that you had or knew about um, to maybe make your grad school experience a little bit easier? One thing, when I joined the Alfred Peace, the Sloan uh, Foundation program, in addition to the money they put on kind of whole programming, um, and it primarily is for black and brown PhD students. And so it, it honestly wasn't until then that I had kind of a consistent uh, group of black people that I was meeting with and being able to talk about experiences with. I, I wish I had looked for that a little earlier. I thought that was helpful for me. Um, and I think there were opportunities earlier or I kind of locked myself into my little research bubble in my lab and didn't get out. I wish I had applied for more grants than I did. I think there are a lot of opportunities if you have just a few hours to spend on the grant. I think having a few extra thousand dollars, even a few extra thousand a year, really just helps reduce the stress of grad school. You can treat yourself to something other than McDonald's. <laughs> so our last question is always like a little fun one. Um, and I don't know, are we ready for the last question, Brianna? Yeah, we could go there. I was thinking about maybe mixing it up, you know, because he's a music person. Ah, so if your grad school experience was a song, <laughs> what would it be called? I, I thought about To Pimp a Butterfly. There's a song, I and You. 
use a song where he's like drunk in a hotel room, very exasperated and sad and self-critical. <laughs> and then I is supposed to be the flip side of the I love myself and trying to like get out of a dark place. And I feel like grad school flipped between those two songs. That was the first thing that came to mind. I don't know what the name of my song would be. <laughs> okay, well now, just before we go, looking back, if you had to do grad school all over again, would you do it? I really like what I'm currently working on, and I don't think I could be working on it without the PhD. I think if I had a master's, I think I'd be capable of working on it, but they just simply wouldn't typically consider or hire a master's. They wouldn't and, pay you that brain. And huh? they wouldn't pay. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely think it was worth it in terms of kind of career trajectory and the kinds of problems I get to work on. One thing that I've really enjoyed about the position at NIA and now with ARPA-H is kind of the translational focus. So for the longest, I was doing these kind of interesting but very mostly basic science side of research and just trying to kind of understand the fundamental biology better and interactions of cells with materials. Um, now there's a lot more of an emphasis on getting that technology out into the world. It's a very messy process, but it's been really interesting and I really like being able to work on those types of problems. Well, Thank you, Dr. Hooks, for coming to chat with us today. Thank you. We really appreciate your insight and your stories. Um, we find them to be very, you know, insightful. Motivational, inspiring. Thank you. Firming, right? Like a lot of the experiences you're sharing in, in small ways and in big ways are things we go through. And I think most people who are Black and doing PhDs sort of go through. So we really do appreciate you taking the time out to talk to us. I'm really glad to be here. Hey you, yes you, don't forget to subscribe, hit the bell button and the like button. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram. We are at underscore color of success. Bye bye now.